to you from the badlands of Texas like an out-of-control freight train, 360 degrees around the earth, 195 miles an hour. Brought to you by the Biden administration, paid for and built by Mexico and Canada. You're listening or you're watching Midnight Radio. I am your host, Gerald Schmidt. So glad. You could be here on this Fruit Loop Friday. Hey, it's our first show and our last show all week. And you're going to find out why. Coming up next on Midnight Radio. But first up, I'd like to thank our executive producers, which are one executive producer is Lady Lisa. Thank you very much. You can all thank her too for bringing this show to you. If you'd like to help us with this show. You can donate $20 or more and become an executive producer for the very next show that airs. Anything under $20 makes you a producer. And what that does is that helps us bring our radio station to you. We are on tune in now in the next few days. We're going to, we have a deal with clear channel, iHeartRadio, bringing it to you live there. What is the difference and why do you care? Why do you give a damn? Well, here's why. Because I do things on the radio that I could never get away with on YouTube. And I'm not talking Colleen Ballinger type things. I'm not talking about Zav Girl type things. If you like her, that's up to you. And I'm not saying anything against them. But I'm saying there's a whole nother level on the radio. There's a whole nother level. Midnight Radio is radio without limits. We are on TuneIn. You can get the TuneIn app for the Apple uh, app store or the google play store there's also a midnight radio app on the google play store but we're also available on apple now through TuneIn, you can search midnight radio throw a heart on there to help us out we operate with something called value for value and that is if you find value in this show if you find value in having a radio station not run by big corporations but ran by you sponsored by you and running the kind of stuff that you want to hear. And I'm going to start making some phone calls on there pretty soon. I feel like matter of fact, our phone line is open now. 325-261-0892. It is open now. I've got some crazy things to talk about today for the next couple hours. Thank you for joining me. Let us begin. We're going to begin kind of slowly. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is the city of Idaho. What happened in a lawsuit that they lost uh, yesterday. Crazy, I know. And how this is going to affect the Brian Kohlberger case. <laughs> oh, man, this town's in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Not only them, but a lot of other, a lot of other cities out there. And I'll explain to you why. Remember the little thing we had? It started with a C and ended with a vid, where every government official and news agency tried to shaft the American people. I'm sure you know. Remember that? Where they said, if you don't get this thing injected into your arm, which we're reclassifying as something it's not. 
if you don't get this, you're going to be fired. You're going to be fired. If you don't wear this mask, don't wear the mask. Don't wear the mask. Wear the mask. Don't wear it. Wear it. Wear five. Stick it up your ass. These are the kind of things that they said. Me, I don't give a damn. I simply report the news. Well, this is what happened to Idaho, Moscow, Idaho, to be exact, and many other countries, many other countries, I mean, counties, cities. If you were fired because you didn't take what they wanted you to take, there is a lot of issues. If you were fired, well, congratulations, because you own their ass now. That's right. Kind of like a 12 inch long sandwich from subway you go in and bite and it's yours that's their ass it's yours now congratulations they have to give you your job and a settlement now you don't believe me call the unemployment office matter of fact go to the website if you're in texas it is workintexas.com i spent a lot of time on that unemployment website you can too well they're in a lot of shit because they told you things and they still are Idaho, Moscow, Idaho, lying out their ass as it relates to the Kohlberger trial. I guess it, it's a pattern, all right? Saying that they have the authority to tell you to do things they don't have the authority to tell you to do. And around the country, they told people that they had to take something, and if they didn't, they'd get fired. They had to wear uh, masks in public. If they didn't, they would be fined and arrested, which happened. And now they're having to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's what happened here in Moscow. They also closed down churches. They violated the uh, separation of church and state. You know, many good Christian churches. And hell, even the Satanists are pissed about it. They couldn't have their bonfires or whatever they have. I'm not joking. There are, the Church of Satan is, is, um, putting in lawsuits too. And guess what? They're winning. All right, let's go over what's going on in Idaho, how much money they're losing, and what that means to everybody. Idaho City announced, wait, let, let me tell you this, the beginning of this. Um, let's, let me show you this story first, and we're going to go back to them losing. On September 23rd, 2020, Gabriel Wrench and Sean and Rachel Bonnet were arrested while participating in a psalm sing sponsored by wait for it, Christ Church in the Moscow City Hall parking lot. Although the church conducts a song and prayer event each month, this particular one was held outside City Hall to protest extension of a CO blah, 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 mask mandate issued by Moscow Mayor Bill Lambert. The plaintiffs were not wearing masks, and because there were more than 200 people in attendance, were unable to socially distance this hurt Billy Boy's feelings. Wrenching the bonnets, the bonnets. Did I say bonnets? Like boners. Wrench and the bonnets were arrested while two others were cited for violating the face mask slash social distancing order. The bonnets, the bonerts, were also charged with resisting arrest and obstructing law enforcement officers. Wrench and the bonnets, bonnets. Damn it, Jerry. Come on, Gerald. We're forced to hire defense counsel, including legal fees and costs. The trio pled not guilty. Months later, the Moscow prosecuting attorney moved to dismiss the charges, 
He revealed to the court that while city codes allow the mayor to issue public health emergency orders, exemptions unless specifically prohibited, included in any all expensive and associate activity protected by the U.S. and Idaho constitutions, including speech, press assembly, and or religious activity. So again, the Moscow prosecuting attorney moved to dismiss the charges. The lawsuit. The lawsuit asserts that Wrench and the Bonets were arrested even though law enforcement officers were aware of the First Amendment protections under the mayor's emergency order. In addition, the Bonets are challenging the constitutionality of Idaho state law 18-703, under which they were charged for not identifying themselves while engaged in the religious protests at Moscow City Hall. The, ben- the Bonet's constitutional challenge is under the Fourth Amendment unlawful search and seizure and the First Amendment compelled speech. I'm not going to read all this, but I'm going to go into the rest of the story. Idaho City announces $300,000 payment to people who were arrested during a religious gathering. This is a top story. Came out 15 hours ago. Three people who sued the city of Moscow for allegedly violating their First Amendment rights during a 2020 religious gathering will be paid a total of $300,000 to settle their civil lawsuit. That's about $100,000 apiece, right? I'm sure they'll give 10% to the church. Gabriel Wrench, Sean, and Rachel Bonet, who sued the city over an incident on September 2020, were When they were part of a Christ church event in the Moscow City Hall parking lot, the psalm sing was intended to be a protected, was pretended to be a protest of the city's mandate for masks and social distancing during a certain public pandemic. Moscow police cited Wrench, the Bonets, and two other for suspicion of violating the city's public health emergency order. In addition to the citations, Wrench was arrested but not charged with allegedly refusing to identify himself to police. And the Bonets were arrested for suspicion of resisting or obstructing officers after allegedly refusing to identify themselves. The police work for you guys. Let me tell you that. I don't care what they say. I don't care what the mayor says. The district attorney can suck on an eggplant. And I'm talking to the people in Idaho because they damn sure don't work for us, uh, the rest of the people in the country. They work for you. The police, they they do what they're told, and uh, the legal process is answered later. The legal process has been answered here. My mind keeps swirling and getting pissed off when I think about how we've been lied to about the legal process in Idaho. The process in Idaho, how information shouldn't go out to the press because it's a capital murder case. And I hate even sounding like this, and I hate being genuinely pissed. But when I listen to these other stories, mainly I'm thinking about the Long Island uh, serial killer that they just caught. Maybe you know about the Jillo Beach murders and Mr. Huerman. Well, we know a lot about Mr. Huerman. Paging Mr. Sherman. What's his first name? What was his first name? All right, going to the chat room. I got some answers to questions, some questions to answer. 
Phone number 325-261-0892. Hello, Susan A. Hello, Rex. Rex Hureman. Mon Hureman. I'm going to talk about him. I know everything about that dude from the police. All right, so after you somebody's asking me why is my membership icon different to everybody else's after you've been a member for so many months or a certain period of time then your icon changes that is why that is a good thing hello susan hello hot ham hello lisa maxwell hello karen thank you dude i appreciate it i appreciate it this is all supposed to be private this is all supposed to be just for Fruit Loops on Fruit Loop Friday. I'm going to release this to everybody else later. Let's go on to uh, our next story, shall we? Let's talk about Rex Hurman. With information that I shouldn't have, according to Idaho, they don't want me to have it because it makes them look bad. But I got your boy, Cuomo. Right here. Murder investigation. The footprint of the investigation has expanded from Long Island, New York, to South Carolina, then Las Vegas. Why? Because the suspect owned or had access to properties there. Now, we hear the investigation also includes Atlantic City, New Jersey. Why there? And is his home in Long Island now considered the scene of at least one of the crimes? in Long Island doomed I'm too sexy for my shirt too sexy for my shirt too sexy it hurts I'm a model you know what I mean couldn't help it and now consider the scene of it selfies are the worst man if you're ever going to commit a crime man just erase all your selfies because you're going to look like a douchebag once they play it on national television at least one of the crimes that takes us to what we heard last night, uh, which we'll pick up with an official who's involved in the investigation, because we got a big clue about that right here on this show last night that the police didn't know about yet. Hopefully, they've circled back to our guest and got that information. Now, the neighbors also have information in situations like this, and they very often say, gee, I never knew. You know, I thought he was such a nice guy. You know, we always hear that. You're not going to hear that from this neighbor. Dominic Cancellari lived next to Hewerman for 15 years uh, and has some very definite things to say that are different than we've heard from other neighbors. Joins us now. Dom, thank you. Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? So you're saying the idea that would have never pegged him for a bad guy doesn't wash with you? Uh, no, not at all. Actually, I heard a couple interviews with um, some of the neighbors saying he was a family man. He was, uh, you know, he was a normal guy. Um, not the case at all from what I've, what I've heard. Um, I'm here to say, is that, is that you? I'm here to say he was an asshole. Um, from living next door to him. Now, stuff that you just dismissed at the time as being like eccentric behavior or whatever, now it takes on a new context. I want to highlight uh, some of the things. Uh, first, he used to rake the leaves in his yard wearing a Speedo. You said that, you know, when you were out, you'd come home. It could be like the middle of the night uh, and you would see this guy active um, in different ways. How so? 
So sometimes I would come home around one, uh, two in the morning and uh, yeah, I would park my car in front of the house and um, I would see his car running and uh, you know, the lights were on and he never got out of the car first. Every time I would see that, I would always go inside my house first. So I never actually saw him get out of the car, but it was running, the lights were on and um, I always thought that was very suspicious. Mm. And I believe in NPR, they call that driveway moments. He would be active at night. You would see lights on. Uh, you remember one uh, now, I'm sure, uh, pretty freaky situation in the backyard. What was it? Yeah, so when I was around 18 or 19 years old, um, I was watching TV in my basement, um, went outside. It was like one or two in the morning, same times that I saw him, you know, park his car in front of his house and leave it idle. But um, when I was 18, 19 years old, I heard digging in the backyard next door. Um, now, I really wanted to go and check out what it was and like look through the fence. The fence had little fake grass on it. Um, but some, something stopped myself from doing it. Um, you know, I was nervous. I wasn't too sure what I was hearing at the time. Um, but now with everything coming to fruition, you know, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest bit. Now, uh, you said that you didn't really talk to him much, but you did no. have, you did have one incident, uh, that was over a parking space. What happened? So he parked his truck um, in his driveway and then halfway into my spot. And, you know, I went outside because this was happening a couple of times. So I, I went out of my car and I said to him, I'm like, listen, you got to move your car. Um, you know, I'm trying to get in this spot. And he got a little loud. I got a little loud back with him. And he ended up finally moving his car. But, you know, every um, instance, even just the way he looked, um, I always thought this guy was a weirdo. Um, you know, freak and everything that's come up, um, you know, the vile Google searches that he's had. You know. Man, to be honest with you, if I heard that Chris Cuomo was a serial killer, I would not be surprised. You know, this all makes sense to me now. You also said that he used to burn garbage. You know, that happens with leaves and stuff like that in some places, but you're saying not in your area. People don't burn their garbage. Mm -hmm. No, no, he would burn his garbage and uh, we, I would smell it. And I would always wonder, I'm like, why is this guy burning his garbage again? But, you know, it seemed to be like once every few weeks, I would smell garbage burning. At, um, at Looking at the chat room right now, somebody said, the family never knows. That's true, man. He was such a good boy. We had no idea. I thought he just needed some privacy in his room. I would always knock on the door, and he was always out of there. At his house. You never saw him bring women to the house? I thought he had asthma. No, I did not. What were you thinking, getting in the face of a guy who was 6'6", like 300 pounds, by the way? I thought, damn, man, something like there, like right, right there, man. I was like, man, you just had a lot of spaghetti and some garlic before you came talk to me, didn't you? It was hot, warm, stinky breath. I don't remember what we talked about over a parking space? Uh, <laughs> I was just annoyed about the whole situation. Um, it was going on a couple times and, uh, you know, I just, I said to him, I was like, listen, you can't keep parking here. Um, you know, and I just never really liked the guy, to be honest with you. I always thought he was weird. Um, there were times where I would grill him, um, you know, just, just because I just didn't like him. And the only thing that I miscalculated about him was I really thought he was not the smartest of people. Obviously, he was very calculated, though. Hey, thank you for watching. Hey, Please go to newsnationnow.com.
Don't go there. All right. Oh, creepy, creep, 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 creep. What about his past? What about past allegations from this hombre? We're talking about Rex Hurman today on Midnight Radio, going through the Jillo Beach murders. Got some new information coming down right now. All the new things that I've learned, I'm going to play for you today. We're going to talk about it, discuss. Phone number is... 325-261-0892. The phone line is now open. Of course, this show is for members only. If you'd like to become a member of Midnight Radio, you can do that on fa- or Facebook. Don't go to Facebook. That's not me. It's fake. Go to YouTube. Click on membership. I'll put a link up there somewhere in the notes somewhere or something like that. So you can become a member. Any kind of member. All right, let's continue for the rest of the story. In the Gilco Beach murders case, a key piece of evidence arrives on Long Island. CBS 2's Jennifer McLogan reports investigators are going way back in the suspect's life to try to piece together this case. According to State Park's records, the serial killer suspect was a seasonal worker at Jones Beach when Rex Hurman was in his late teens and early 20s, less than a 10 minute ride from Gilgo Beach where bodies of young women were buried. You would think it would be someone who is familiar with the area. So someone who either uh, spent a lot of time on Ocean Parkway. Knowing that he's not on the street anymore, I hope that the families can finally get some closure. So far, Rex Huerman's been linked to three murders, is a prime suspect in a fourth. But the remains of six others were discovered near here, too. Relatives of other victims found along the beach are still awaiting answers. There is frustration, but still holding out hope. There's still an awful lot of investigation that has to be done to fully understand how many people were victims to this individual. Meantime, Google Street posted this shot of Hurman's vehicle from 2011 in front of the house. There is growing anxiety among some in Massapequa Park. Guns, one after another, with 200 and a grenade. Next door neighbor Etienne Devalier said his wife caught Hurman peering over the fence at her sunbathing. Devalier told him to cease and desist. He complied and he didn't he didn't argue back and he didn't fight and he didn't get uh, violent or uh, I never seen a streak of violence in the guy. Another name. He was there looking at my wife's goodies. A former police officer described on a podcast how he was confronted by Hurman two weeks ago aboard the LIRR over where he was standing. It's almost like a road rage without the car. I walked away, but it's physically. He said, excuse me, sir, could you please move over? I said, why? He said, because of your height. I'm just about butthole height and I can't stand it. Could you please move, sir? Intimidating in the back in six foot five, missing his left front tooth. His voice is very distinctive. I thought he was a bully. I've always thought of Long Island as this safe haven sanctuary. And like this is like, whoa. Hurman, an architect, pleaded not guilty at his arraignment. Police say his wife and two children were in the dark about his double life. On Long Island, Jennifer. Would you look at this? Let me go back here. Look at this big guy. If I can. And look at this guy. His pants are tight. Looks like his back pockets are rubbing together. His ass in those in those pants look like a cheese sandwich. Can you imagine trying to rub ride public transport with this man? You know what I'm saying? Disgusting, man. Forget about what he's done. Just think about the man. Come on now. This is why we need my invention of bum gum. That's right. It's gum for your ass to freshen your cheeks. So if you're going to be in public, 
then you're not going to have anybody be suspicious about the smell of your cheeks. It is called Gerald Schmimmons bum gum coming to a store near you. Guilty at his arraignment, police say his wife and two children were in the dark about his double life. On Long Island, Jennifer McLogan, CBS2 News. We have continuing coverage of this investigation on our website. There you can find... Continuing information about Jill O. Beach. Breaking news today, and this just dropped today. His wife filed for divorce. I guess you'd have to, right? What I didn't know, and I found out today also, that this isn't his first wife. This is his... Did you hear that? You hear that? when? That means it's fresh. This is his second wife. Nobody remembers his first wife or when they divorced. That's kind of creepy. And I heard some information about I heard some information about his children too. He has two children. I'm not going to get into all that information. I'm just not going to do it. All right, I'm about to play this for you here. This is from Fox News saying suspected Long Island serial killer duck hunting could have been perfect cover for hiding bodies. And I hear there's a lot of information coming out about his brother too if i run into that information i'm gonna give it to you i want to go on google earth and take a look at his house and his neighborhood right here in a minute i gotta find his damn address can someone uh look up his address and put it in the chat room for me please now this is all you never wanted to know about duck hunting right ciao orient uh where we are we're in essentially a bay that has a lot of little islands as I said, the dumping ground is here behind me, but this way, directly across the bay, is actually where the accused lived. And if you, in fact, did have a boat that could traverse these waters, which are quite calm, it would be a matter of, depending on the strength of your motor, 15, 20 minutes to motor across this bay, uh, especially in the middle of the night. There'd be uh, no impediments, no other boats around, and then you're here quite quickly again. It's just a theory. It's something that uh, hasn't really been reported on. I'm sure it's something that the police have looked at. The task force has, I am sure, uh, through uh, Suffolk County PD, people who uh, have been out in these waters. They have harbor patrol. They're familiar with all of these inlets. And I'm sure this is something that they've explored as part of the investigation. Okay, so the area where the bodies were discovered, Gilgo Beach, is actually a very thin strip of land. On one side, there's a road that you probably see in here behind me it's a very narrow strip of land on the other side of that is the ocean we're almost called the bay side this bay side seems to present a possible area of ingress for somebody who's looking to get to the areas where the bodies were found if you look behind me that copse of trees right there is approximately where the four bodies that are known as the Gilgo Four, the four that are currently in the case that's indicted, three of the, of the bodies are indicted, the fourth one expect, expect to be indicted soon, they were there. So the question becomes, is it not less ostentatious to approach from the water side as opposed to parking an SUV, this famous avalanche that the accused had on the road, Whenever he did it, middle of the night or otherwise, haul a dead body into the woods and then bury that body, which is always going to take some time. On the cover of darkness, if you have access here, as you can see, there's a landing area. I've said it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think he lived in this house for such a long time because there are bodies there. I think he did kill 
people there. We're going to hear about theories of him killing people in the house coming up. And I think he has bodies buried in the backyard. If you bring, and I don't know if they have yet, but if they bring cadaver dogs in the back of his house, that there used to be bodies there and they were moved. But I think this is why it hasn't moved from the house. All right. We got more information coming up. We're going to take a tour of his neighborhood coming up. That it looks quite solid. Now, the terrain might have been different, uh, different from this because since the bodies were discovered, we've had two major hurricane events out here, Irene and Sandy. But assuming the topography was roughly the same, it does seem to present an area of ingress from here into that area where at night with a duck boat, which reportedly we're hearing the accused may well have had at the time, you come in here at night, you beach there, and you go in from here, and you really can take your time doing whatever you're going to do. There's nobody out here, and as you can see, it's really quite remote. So it's a theory. It's something that, uh, you know, we can't certainly uh, prove at this time, but it is something I suspect that the police have looked at. And uh, the question becomes, when did he have the boat? Did he sell the boat? And did any of the material taken from the house indicate that he might have had that kind of gear, waders to get through anything that's too marshy, heavy boots, uh, digging material, stuff like that that allowed him to get in here and do what it is. This guy's a talker, isn't he? Seems like he very well may have done. So it would. Is this like a professor that wrote a book on mur murdering people while duck hunting? Clearly be a difficulty because as you can hear, this road is somewhat traveled. Now, at four in the morning, it obviously is going to be less travel, but that makes anything that you do a lot more ostentatious. If you park an SUV on this side of the road, uh, again, right where that car is, it's highly visible, right? And there also isn't much of a shoulder there. So you're going to be, by definition, half out into the road. Cars are going to have to go around you. You're taking the risk that it's, this is state land. You're taking the risk that a state trooper is going to see you and stop just to see, are you okay? Do you need a hand? You're stuck out here in the middle of nowhere. And there are state troopers on this road. The other thing I should mention is that when there's bad traffic or there's road work, and Long Island, Long Island Expressway, Notre State Parkway, Sutton State Park, notorious for traffic and road work, this is an end around, okay? I'm, I'm informed that you can get onto this highway here as far west as Queens, Long Beach. You get on there, you can take this all the way out, and then there's bridges behind me that get you back onto the mainland. The point is, it's a way to circumvent heavy traffic on Long Island. All you need is somebody doing that because there's road work in the middle of the night on any of those highways, which is when they do the road work, and you're going to be discovered. So, again, if I'm putting myself in the mindset of somebody who's looking to dispose of a body, I have a boat. I know these waters. I mean, let's be frank. We could bury a body out here now and nobody would know it's the middle of the day. So if I have that option, I'm going with option. Damn it. I'm about, listen to this guy. This is former New York Police Department Inspector Paul Mario Morio. Morio. I'm wanting to drown myself in this damn duck pond. So let's go to our next piece of information now. Right now, um, let's see. This one is about about the ongoing investigation. Oh, let's see. Why? Boys, who is chief of detectives for the New York Police Department. Thank you for joining us this morning.
All right. So a lot of people are upset about this interview because they're playing. They're complaining the police didn't do enough. They should have done more. We'll see what they say. And this was really a textbook case of teamwork, wasn't it? It really was. The task forces do have a lot of value. They bring other resources that we don't have in a certain police department into 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 frame. So that's what's important here. These task forces, it worked in Idaho State. It's worked here. It's good news. And now they're looking to see if, if he could have been connected to other murders. What's the status of the investigation now? You know what? Here's another thing about Idaho. There's no DNA except for one fingerprint. It's, it's not a fingerprint. Touch DNA from a finger. All right? There's no blood. There's no hair. But they found that DNA on the snap of a K-bar. Now, how in the ever-loving world of hell can the White House have a bag of cocaine, plastic bag, and they found nothing on the damn thing? I'm having to say bullshit. Now, what will they be doing? Made some phone calls yesterday, George, to see what they were doing. They're looking at all missing persons who have never been found and see if we can find put those together. Not just in uh, in, in Suffolk, but throughout the tri-state area to see what we put together. There's also the FBI is looking at the national national issues as well. So we'll keep, keep going forward in that respect because he was free for many years. Well, free and also pretty brazen, right? Living a pretty public life? He was. Uh, un unusual. He lived at Manhattan to Massapequa. That was his whole life right there. Doesn't mean he didn't step out of that. So we have to look at it all the way around. And what do you make of the fact that they found this arsenal of weapons? Now, I want to know, they found over 200 uh, firearms in this place, and I heard rumor do tell that there might be a grenade they found. Again, that part is a rumor. Over 200 guns. Okay, now what do we see in his house here? We see parts where his front porch was starting to fall down. So he used some wood to keep it standing up we're about to do a tour of this place you see it looks like he needs some paint they're calling this house a shithole it doesn't look that bad to me i'm just saying how many of you guys think it's not as bad as they're saying well it explains why they took him off in manhattan now they didn't do it going to his house you can check databases to see if he owns guns which he did and he's somewhere on there so you don't want to go into that house you'd rather go take him off premise and this way it's safer for everybody Robert Boyce, thanks very much. Thanks. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking department. Thank you for joining us. Oh, George Stephanopoulos. All right. So let's go. Uh, let me go back. By not telling us who had the cocaine, are they telling us who had the cocaine? To be fair, I heard they asked Biden if the cocaine was his, and he said he didn't remember. So they gave him a, they gave him a, um, lie detector test and he was telling the truth he really didn't remember so uh let's go ahead and take a tour of the house shall we let me see here all right you know you want to you know you know you want to boom here we are massapequa first avenue here we go let's see what we find let's see what we find serial killer closed man that's whoo I'm going to zoom out Long Island, everybody. He had a storage unit in Amityville, which I found something. So they're searching his storage unit in Amityville. He couldn't have anything good down there, man. I tell you what, anybody with a storage unit is suspect. I'm telling you, let's go down to his home. That's a peak. We're just looking for the house. that looks like a shithole. 
La la la. La la la. <laughs> I'm not seeing anything. Oh, what in the ass? Do I got to go to Street View? La 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 la. Are you kidding me? Is this the best we have? Oh, wait. La la. La la la. And we got to do better than this. What do these new buttons do? Fly a paper airplane. Nero, Nero. I want to go to Street View. All right, here we go. What is this button? I'm feeling lucky. I'm not feeling lucky. Oh, there it is. There's a little person. We're going to drop our little reporter right down there in the highway. Oh, la, 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 Excuse me. Where's Herman Monster's house? Oh, I think I see it, guys. La, 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 It looks like a shithole. Damn, I'm lost. Can you tell me how to get to Rex Hearman's house? 200 First Avenue, Massapequa. I'm at 100. La, 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 la. Man, it's good. I'm, I wasn't in charge of knocking on his door. La, 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 la. All right, let me double check here. Pa, 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 The address is a First Avenue, Massapequa, and it's taking me to 100. 100, what is going on with that? First Avenue and Massapequa Park, you asshole. All right, let me look look up his address again. La, 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 la. There we go, some appropriate music. All right. There we go. Damn it. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, here we go. I found the house. All right, let's zoom in. He's not near the school. Well, he is a little bit. All right. Let's take our little reporter, man. Dingle him by his dangle and drop him. La, la. Oh. I'm so happy to be. Oh, there it is. You didn't think Gerald would find it, did you? There's his avalanche. There was it. Let's look at it again. All right. I heard he's had it between 10 and 15 years. This is his Chevy avalanche. Also heard I heard I've seen worse yards, guys. He has a privacy hedge. I heard that the neighbors, you know, they didn't like that he had this Jeep in his driveway. He said it was a World War II style Jeep. But they said he used to drive it around. 
and then he just had it in his driveway. All right, B Rockin is here, guys. Everybody say hello to B Rockin. Okay, going back. Yep, that's the house right there. This is in Massapequa. This is 105 First Avenue, Massapequa. All right, let me go back and get you some looks at this. There's the house, there's the yard. There's lemonade in the back, fudge is made. Let's go back in the back, see if we can see. Do they have alleys here? Man, maybe I should, um, let's see. Let's zoom out. Oh my God, I'm getting dizzy. Oh, <laughs> where's Australia? Oh yeah. That's a long way away from me, I tell you. All right. Oh. I'm going to drop behind it. It's our little roving reporter. Ah. And it dropped me in the front, you son of a biatch. Well, I guess that's the best we can do. Some interesting features for serial killers that might want to buy this house. Look at how we have a nice wood shop that's probably about the size of a closet. A small closet. We have a bucket. I suggest you don't sniff it. We have a front yard. At least he mows it. We have an enclosed front porch. Most people don't have it. We're going to go to the backyard if I can figure out how to. Ah, there we go. There we go. La, la, la. La, la, la. He has a neighbor that was complaining about him staring at his wife, which this might be his wife. His wife's wife. Well, probably is his wife. Not No joking. What did I just do? I'm going dizzy. Holy moly monsters. Okay, I'm going to go down this road. I'm going to drop my dude. Eh. What does that do? Am I, ugh. They don't, it doesn't want to let me go down the street. Ow, holes. Uh, uh, uh. Damn it. Man, the man, the man's getting me down again, guys. Getting me down again. Why is this a one-way street? You jerks. Uh, okay, I'm going to try one more thing. It won't let you go down that way. You bastards. All right, we'll take one more look at the house, and then we're going to go in our next story. Plop. Okay, this is when Rex was maybe there. Here's a little bit of his backyard, I suppose. Not much there. 
Not much there at all. All right. Interesting air conditioning system. Right up there. I would have went with, a, you know, an outside unit myself. All right. Not as thrilling as she thought it wouldn't be. Google Rouse disappearing. No left-hand turns. Pretty sad. All right, it's time for a nice, refreshing drink. All right. All right, let's continue here. Now, we're going to talk about some other stories. There's been a woman and three children found dead in an apparent murder-suicide. This time, it wasn't the husband. It wasn't the boyfriend. It was the woman. A woman and three children, aged from a month-old baby to an 11-year-old, were found dead in an apparent murder-suicide at a home in Oklahoma. Police say that the bodies were discovered inside the property in the Tulsa suburb of Verdigious after a standoff with law enforcement on Thursday evening. The standoff began when a police officer driving along the street saw fireworks coming from inside the garage of a house. It was at that time that officer knew that there was something wrong, went to investigate and call for backup. When the officer, the investigating officer, went into the house, he found a Roman candle firework and a woman and two children locked inside it. The woman told police she had taken another child to the property for a supervised visit and had been met by an armed woman who grabbed the child and locked her and the two children in the house. I will say this again. The woman told the police she had taken another child to the property for a supervised visit. Had been met by an armed woman who grabbed the child and locked her and the two children in the garage. Following a three and a half hour standoff with no response from inside the house, officers entered the home and found the adult woman and three children dead from gunshot wounds. Investigators found a handgun at the scene. The names of the victims are not being released at this stage. This is extremely difficult for everybody involved. Police Chief Jack Shackelford said the officers had previously been called to the home on several occasions on domestic and mental health calls. This is very sad. Very sad. I got this story four hours ago. Okay, now this story is very bad too. Uh, Probably worse, if that's possible. Uh, Let me go back to the original article of this. All right. Wisconsin mother and her boyfriend are charged in a child neglect case that prosecutors call something out of a horror movie. A Milwaukee mother and a boyfriend were charged with chronic neglect of a child and false imprisonment after authorities found them allegedly holding two children in their home against their will. Kate Kate Koch, 34, and Michael Mankey, 38, both faced four felony charges in the case. Koch is also charged with two misdemeanors for which her public defender entered a not guilty plea on her behalf in court. According to online court records, Mankey and Koch did not enter pleas for their felony charges, the records show. The alleged victims are Koch's son, 
ages nine to seven neighbors called police after they saw the children walking naked outside in their home on july 13th all right what are the ages again nine and seven the boys were found walking around their home in diapers they were nine and seven years old they had very minor ability to even communicate to anybody because they'd been locked in there they were never enrolled in school they were kept in a filthy room that was locked from the outside coke acknowledged to the police that the children had not been enrolled in organized schooling or medical attention in years he knew how the children were living was not right but tried to discuss it with coke to avoid an argument he tried not to discuss it Truly terrible, like something out of a horror movie. That's what the DA said. The criminal complaint said human waste was on the walls and there was so much garbage piled up, officers couldn't see the floor. The children's heads had so much matted feces, the complaint said, that their hair had to be shaved off. Mankey was released from jail Wednesday on $6,500 bond. Coke remained in jail, knew of a $30,000 bond. And they were not able to reach her attorneys. They told the mother that they had to shave the children's hair because there's so matted, so much matted feces in it. She said, well, I just cut their hair two weeks ago, but I didn't do a very good job. And that's okay. I understand that you had to because of all the feces in their hair. That's what she said. Not joking. Let's go over a little bit more about this. This one goes in a little bit more detail. There's, they're facing 10 felony charges and misdemeanor counts for chronic child neglect and false imprisonment. One of the police officers said, I'm not ever going to forget the way they looked when they came running out of that house. That was a neighbor. He said, I'm never going to forget the way they looked running out of that house. They didn't have any clothes on. Their hair was, you know, it just looked like it had never been brushed their faces were pure bewilderment they were just looking all around i don't think they'd ever seen outside before stories like this break my heart because i love my son so much i can't imagine treating a person like they're not a person or treating objects better than you treat a person or treating animals more than you treat a person Upon arrival, officers confronted a woman who said she was the boy's mother. The officer who first entered the home described it as a terrible hoarding situation. The officer found two boys in the home, a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. The mother, Coke, began putting a diaper on a child who police say had long hair and was wet all over his body. The complaint says the boy who had red marks over his back. And the police asked the mother about the marks. She told them that the brothers broke a window and ran away. Police noted a distinct smell of urine and feces and reported finding trash piled throughout the kitchen and living room. Inside the child's bedroom, police say there was feces smeared all over the walls and that there was a latch to lock the door from outside the kids' room. Coke told the police the substance on the walls was clay, paint, and chocolate. When police interviewed a neighbor, he said he saw a shattered window of the house, and then moments later, he saw one of the kids 
on the air conditioning unit outside of the children's window. He then saw the children running down the street without clothing on. He told police he hadn't seen the children outside in three years. Elder said she's lived down the street for more than 20 years and that Coke moved in about four years ago. They asked her what she saw and she said nothing. This is actually, this is actually that all of us neighbors talked about because he had never seen either of the children. We'd never seen them. Apparently they had um, dogs and a cat that was taken also. The mother told the police that she lives in the home with her boyfriend, Joel Mankey. Mankey indicated that he put boards on the kids' room windows to keep the children from bothering the noisy neighbor. Admitted they keep the latch on the door to keep the children from leaving due to their autism. He told police he never, he knew how the children were living was not right, but he had to pick his battles. Coke told police her children have not had medical care in a year or two, nor have they ever been to school. She also told police she doesn't have a proper curriculum for homeschooling the boys and that they use educational applications on their tablets. The criminal complaint says the mother was informed that her boys' heads had to be shaved at the hospital because it was full of matted feces. She said that was okay because they needed a haircut. Eventually, they'll learn. I mean, they'll get the help they need, and I hope they realize how people really did care about them, said Elder. Coke is being helded, held on a $30,000 bond, and a preliminary hearing is scheduled for July 26th, and you know I'm going to be watching it. Going to the chat room now, seeing what you guys think of this story. Throw the book at him. We got, why was anyone released? Somebody forgot to push the like button. I can't stand hearing anything bad about children being abused or worse. I'm triggered by these little kids stories. Hello, Vic's logic. Welcome. All right, let's go to our next story. Shall we? Before we go to our next story, um, I'm going to go back to the Hearman case. Uh, I missed I didn't miss anything, but apparently one of my news sources didn't get on here for me to talk about. So let me, let me hit that up. I might post it on. Actually, uh, I think I did post it on there. Post it on our discord. If you're a member here and you haven't joined our discord, you're missing out. We're going to watch half baked after the show. Show. And we're going to watch. Let me see. Um, oh, that was fast. All right, bring it up right now. Are you lucky? Oh, oh, come on now. Uh, let's see. Okay. Let me add this video here. So much work I've got to do here. The things I do for you. 
All right, I'll edit this for other people later. So the way I'm doing the show now is this. If you're a member, if you're a member of Midnight Radio, and I put a link up there in chat, and you can only see this if you're a member. So I don't know why I did that, but I'm going to do live shows. You still, you guys are still going to get the live shows, but then all the the different stories I'm talking about are going to be split off of this, and it's going to be uh, individual videos. So this is going to be edited back into the Rex part later, and that's fine. You know, this is what YouTube wants me to do, so this is what we're going to do. Really, it's not going to change anything for you if you're a member. Okay, so let me play this video for you right here, and we'll talk about on the flip side. What is it about? It's about a woman who went on a date with Rex Huerman, and this is what she has to say about it and how creepy it was. I'll catch you on the flip hey, side of this. Hey, from my story time about my date with Rex Huerman, the Gilgo Beach Killer. I don't even know how to get into this. It's crazy to me. So let's just have at it. So I don't really know where to totally begin with this. It was anywhere from 2014 to 2016, and part of me thinks that I should go to the cops and talk to them because he did say information that like wasn't let out to the public and honestly that's what made me leave the date because i knew because i was watching the news and i was following this case so anyway uh we went uh, we met at a place in port jeff uh a seafood place and i kind of had a bad feeling to begin with but i don't always trust my gut i was young and dumb so i went we sat down, we had normal, formal talk, what do you do, what are your hobbies, we had a drink, nothing big. And then he brought up true crime. I was like, are you a true crime fan? And I was like, actually I am. I, I could probably tell you more about serial killers than their own mother can. It's bad. Uh, and he was like, well, do you know about the Google Beach Killer? And I was like, of course, everybody on Long Island does. We're all following that case. Uh, and he started saying things that, first of all, led me to believe it was not just him. There were other people involved. Uh, he is taking the fall, though, I think, for all of them. And I think he will because I think he'll probably be taken care of out of that deal. Uh, so uh, he, he started saying things in the they-them term and, like, trying to make it seem like somebody who's just really interested in the case. But he was very detailed. And it didn't seem like somebody who's just a true crime fan it seemed like somebody who as they talked about it were reliving it in their head like he seemed like excited like he piqued his interest he sat up straighter he you know relaxed his body he was he seemed like really excited to talk about it and what got me was he he mentioned um a body that wasn't announced on the news yet it wasn't in papers i never nothing and i would have known so that that really weirded me out and then i, I kind of changed subject i was trying to speed the date along i didn't want dessert and at the end he was like well do you want to go back to my place and i was like uh you know i don't i don't know i'd, I'd have to follow you in my car and this thing's like no 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 get in my car with me leave your car here i was like i'm not gonna leave my car in a random lot in poor jeff and he was like no, do it. It'll be fine. No big deal. Just come with me. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable getting in the car with you alone. I don't know you. And he was like almost agitated and angry that I wouldn't get in the car and go with him. And that made me even more like, I got to get out of here. Um, so I ended up leaving. Thank God. I trusted my gut. I left after that check came and I never spoke to the man again. Huh. 
Oh, I'm back. Oh, hello, everybody. How are you doing, everybody? Okay, we're going to go to her TikTok right now. She's supposed to have come up with a, a part two, um, but I don't think she has. She's been interviewed a few times. Um, she's been interviewed by Hidden True Crime. That was one of them. I did not reach out to interview her. I thought that Hidden True Crime did a good enough job. I'm looking for her part two. She's saying don't trust anybody. There was uh, several articles put out about her date or whatever, and she didn't like that she didn't, the one uh, being interviewed. Damn it, I can't find anything worth sharing here. I really can't. Um, Here's one about the... Cases related to sex workers there. That's in addition to police in South Carolina and Las Vegas investigating any possible ties to Uriman. Eyewitness News reporter Stacy Sager is live in Massapequa Park. Stacy. Well, Sandra, investigators are now retracing more than a decade of this man's interactions. We know that Rex Hurman met some of his alleged victims as far back as 2010. So the question now, where will the evidence lead next? In a case that continues to stun those who live here in Massapequa Park, one neighbor who lives right next door to the alleged Gilgo killer reflecting on nearly seven days now of just about everything investigators could remove, from large backyard furniture to computers to play. All right, I'm going to stop this right there. I'm just not thrilled with this, that one. Um, no, and you didn't see it anyway. God, you, did you even hear it? No, you heard it but didn't see it. There was nothing to watch. So it was interesting that that interview in their day that, he was interested in the Gilgo Beach murders. Um, of course, if he was a serial killer that did it, of course he's going to be interested in it. And he tried to take her home. She wasn't interested. So there you go. That's really all there is to it. I know. She is here to tell her story. So, yeah. If you want to see a better interview of that, look at the Hidden True Crime for that. They talk with her there. So, again, going back to our other stories that are more disturbing, if you ask me. Uh, Well, I got one that's disturbing in a weird way. All right. All right. Going to this one. This is a woman who's 18, arrested after hiring a hitman to kill her three-year-old. Ivan, thank you. Now at 11, a developing story. A South Florida mother is in jail tonight, accused of trying to hire a hitman to kill her own child. CBS News Miami's Gabriel Arzola joins us now with the disturbing details. It's a story that doesn't seem real. An 18-year-old mother wanted to kill her three-year-old son, so she goes online and tries to hire a hitman from a website called HireAHitman.com. She went on a website to hire a hitman. 18-year-old. I don't know how many dumbasses go to that fake website, hire a hitman. I mean, this is like the seventh story I've heard about it. You know, I'm almost tempted to go there myself just to troll them, hire a hitman and hire him to kill, you know, my hamster or something. I don't know. Oh, my God. I love that people are still using that website. Yeah, they're still using this website. I 
talk about it like twice a month. What the hell is wrong with people? I'm glad people are so stupid. What the hell is wrong with people? My autocorrect. You know, they should have a podcast, hireahitman.com podcast. Jasmine Paz faced a judge Wednesday after investigators say she tried to get her young son killed. Her actions even shocking the judge. What? To kill her own child? Killer ropes. I didn't get that far. According to the arrest form, investigators say Paez sent an email to the folks at rentahitman.com, which is a parody site. But the only man you'd see behind the screen is Bob Innes, who isn't a killer, but instead an IT specialist. It amazes me at the number of requests the website gets uh, on a monthly basis. It's shocking. It's scary. He has dedicated much of his life to helping authorities and tells me many of these emails are pranks, but some requests like pauses ring a very different tune. Investigators say her email read the murder had to be done by Thursday and she, quote, wanted to get something done once and for all, adding that the child needed to be taken, quote, far, far, far away and possibly be killed, but ASAP with a photo of the toddler attached. One neighbor, too scared to go on camera, tells me she never saw the Paz family, but says she's mortified with all this happening just a few doors down. Que son cosas que nunca yo he visto. I've never seen anything like this. To do something like this, what could be going through her mind? She's so young. Now, the good news here is that that child is safe tonight, but Paz has been charged with two felonies, one of first-degree murder and the other of unlawful use of a device. I'm Gabrielle Arzola, CBS News. And I'm Gerald Smimmons, and we're going to our next story. So, yeah, a lot of people get caught going to this website, trying to pay a hitman to kill one of their loved ones. This is, man, the umpteenth story. Some people in the chat room are asking, so why do people go to that website? Why did he create the website? Well, he's an IT specialist, and a lot of those guys have a hobby of buying up web addresses and uh, sitting on them. While he was sitting on the web address, he decided, hey, oh, this is funny. Let me do this. So... And then he found out he got more than he'd bargained for. I'll tell you, here's more than you bargained for right here. Alleged Boston public school, school imposter finally appears in court. Um, damn it. There's another part of the story. Hold on. Ah, there we go. Let me move this over. Ah, there we go. Let me share this first. So there's a former... Make sure you guys can see this. This is a former uh, Department uh, of Child Services. This is what we call it here in uh, Texas. She, a 32-year-old woman and former Department of Children and Family Services social worker is now facing charges after allegedly posing as a student in three Boston high schools. She did this for over a year. She is facing two felony counts of forging documents. By the way, she's like 32. And five other charges related to the scheme. Boston Police and Suffolk County District Attorney 
were contacted and they were investigating after the principal called the police regarding the student who was reportedly being bullied. She was there for a week in this one particular school and it was called, I don't remember the name of it. Actually, let me go ahead and play this for you and we'll talk about it on the flip side and I have an update to this story and such a very odd one it is about that former social worker accused of pretending to be a boston high school student in three different schools the criminal complaint was released today boston 25 news reporter john monahan read through all of it he's live for us in the city this evening and john she is now facing charges for this that's right she is according to this criminal complaint vanessa but she hasn't been arrested and it's unclear what the next steps will be but a neighbor who lives downstairs from her told us tonight she finds these charges disturbing. I was a little weirded out and wondering why is this going on? The neighbor of a woman who police say posed as a Boston high school student and possibly also posed as the child of a couple who live in this Jamaica Plain building is concerned. I mean, she was living here. I don't know why she was living here. That 32-year-old woman, identified as Shelby Hewitt in a criminal complaint, now faces several charges of falsifying documents. Boston police say it was part of a ruse where Hewitt posed as a student at Brighton High, Jeremiah Burke High School, and English High during the last school year. Why remains unclear. School officials uncovered that after John Smith, who owns a unit in this building, posed as Hewitt's father and tried to withdraw her from English High. That raised red flags, and police say Hewitt forged documents for her enrollment. There was police here all day, and um, I was told that it was got to do with a DCF case of a, of a, a kid that, that my neighbors had, a DCF student. The criminal complaint obtained by Boston 25 also shows on June 15th of 2023 at 11.34 p.m., members of the Boston Police Human Trafficking Unit, Boston Police Internet Crimes Unit Against Children, and the Massachusetts State Police High-Risk Victims Unit executed a search warrant. The fact that this may involve human trafficking has those same neighbors on edge. I'm scared. I mean, um, I know they changed the law. Adding another twist to this, Hewitt used to work for the Department of Children and Families. DCS tells Boston 25 tonight they are cooperating with the investigation. We're live in Jamaica Plain. I'm John Monahan for your local station. So very odd, so very odd, so very odd. So let's go to update of this story. Go to the update. <clears throat> After this commercial for Tempopedic. We'll go into it. She was in court this week, and the judge threw the book at her. I'm saving you guys from the commercial right now. <laughs> 22 seconds. Thank you, 25 News. All right, here we go. and she just appeared in court. I'm Vanessa Welch. And I'm Mark Ockerfield. The big question is why? Why mm -hmm. would someone do this? Her lawyer tried to answer that. Boston 25 News reporter Jim Morelli is live in Boston. And Jim, we have all been waiting to learn more about this alarming case. 
Yeah, Mark and Vanessa, we have so many questions here. They range from the very serious, was the accused out to harm children, to the almost silly, how did she pass off as a teen? But Shelby Hewitt's attorney says the most important question is how she was able to fool staff at three high schools. Nearly a month after she was exposed as an alleged imposter, Shelby Hewitt made her first appearance in court. Hewitt, who is 32, allegedly posed as a student at three Boston high schools this past academic year. The alleged ruse came to an end in June at English High, when a man, posing as her foster parent, tried to withdraw Hewitt after just a week. She wasn't trying to return to high school to, like, relive her glory. I want to know who she was, you know, who was who she was who he was i want to know about the guy involved it doesn't say if there's any charges pending for him boston city councilor aaron murphy is still organizing an investigation into how hewitt a former social worker for dcf wasn't detected for a year there she is crazy as hell she is smelling unwell she is mrs crazy america but Shelby Hewitt's lawyer says his client did not imperil any students. This is not something uh, that is going to reveal itself as some nefarious conduct. Flaherty says the question of why Hewitt posed as a student is almost self-explanatory, as it has to do with her mental state. This is a young lady who's got severe mental health challenges, and she's been dealing with it on a lifelong basis. Hewitt pleaded not guilty to seven fraud charges and posted $5,000 bail. How is she doing? I would say unsettled. Prosecutors say Shelby Hewitt went by apparently two names as she went from high school to high school. Again, her attorney insisting that any charges that she was out to harm children in any way are false. Live in West Roxbury, Jim Morelli from your local station, Boston 25 News. All right. This isn't the first time I've heard of this. This is about the seventh. One time, one guy, and he, he was Russian. He was male, of course. He went, he graduated. And he was a Russian spy. Did you know about that one? It was also, you know, some African-American ladies. You know, mostly all the women and that I've seen do this. All, mostly the people I've seen do this are women. I don't know. Maybe I should do a whole show on people enrolling themselves into high school and pretending that they're children. Maybe I should do that. Maybe, uh, maybe I should. The fact that she was a uh, social worker is makes you think, well, maybe she was undercover or something. I don't know. She wasn't. Portland serial killer. Did you guys hear about this? Also disturbing. Portland serial killer, ex-governor under fire over Jesse Calhoun's early prison release. His girlfriend reveals the ties to the victims. Oregon, let's see, this was released three hours ago. They've identified Jesse Lee Calhoun of Portland as a person of interest in the mystery deaths of four women the police say are linked to him. The 38-year-old has not been charged with any crimes related to the investigation. He is currently in prison on unrelated charges after being arrested on the 6th of June for a parole violation. Court records show that Calhoun has an extensive criminal history, including 03 through 08 convictions for assault. He was also sentenced 
to four years in 2019 for burglary. He was released early in July 2021 after being granted a conditional commutation by then governor of Oregon, Kate Brown. Due to his services, due to his service as an inmate firefighter during the wildfires in fear of the pandemic spreading in prisons. Meanwhile, a woman saying that she's Calhoun's girlfriend has said that he had links to two of the four victims, revealing that Calhoun and Ashley Real had been seeing each other on and off for about a year, and that he would provide Budget Webster with drugs in exchange for making whoopee. Here are the connections. One day ago, four women's deaths in Portland metro area have been connected to one person of interest. He is currently in prison for parole violation, if I didn't say that earlier. However, the manner of their death are still unclear. According to a joint press release, the Oregon State Medical Examiner has not been able to determine the cause and manner of each of their deaths. All four women were found near or on the side of the road within 100 miles of one another. All right. You've been, you're up to date on that. This is a crazy story. Rex Hjorman. Rex Hjorman. I might have one more story about him. I've, I've read so much about him. I don't know what I've told you and what I haven't told you. But this guy right here, he was sentenced on the 18th for cutting off his girlfriend's leg with a truck. A Madison County judge has sentenced the former Washington Park man to 60 years in prison for chasing down his girlfriend in a truck, intentionally hitting her, cutting off her leg, and leaving her to die on the side of the highway. An all-female jury has deliberated just 40 minutes before finding Richard Mayer 60 guilty of first-degree murder. Judge Cal Knapp presided over the trial and handed down the sentence Tuesday morning. That is, that is 100%. He has to serve the entire 60 years if he lives that long. Mayor, who is shackled and wearing a gray striped jail uniform, asked for an appeal to be filed immediately. Lisa Polach, 46, of Washington Park, bled to death on February 21st after telling a witness and an emergency responder that the person responsible was Mayor, her boyfriend, who was driving a white Ford F-150 pickup truck. The truck hit Pollock along Illinois 111 near Gateway Commons Center in Pontoon Beach. A truck driver testified that she was trying to escape by climbing into the cab of his tractor trailer. On Tuesday morning, Mayor told sheriff's deputies that he didn't want to attend the sentencing hearing. He said that he was going to fight whoever came to get him out of his cell. There was no fight. But he was still demanding as he was leaving his cell that he wanted an attorney. He had elected to represent himself. Knapp stated Tuesday hearing early expected that mayor's request for an attorney was a prompt for continuance that he apparently changed his mind. It doesn't matter, mayor said, just get it over with. The penalty for a first-degree murder conviction is 20 to 60 years in prison. He got the full 60. And then he might have got a little something else.
I'd like to thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate it very much. If you like the show, hit the like button. Everybody watching me live here, you guys are all members, but we'll be breaking this up into parts so everybody can get that 10-minute news story that they like so much. After the show at 6 p.m., about 40, uh, about 39 minutes, we're going to be in Discord. We have an event where we're going to be viewing the movie Half-Baked, whether there's one or more, we're going to watch it. I will be there. We're going to have a good time. It's a very funny movie. It's the best. One of the It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. A lot funnier than I ever expected it to be. That is right after the show at 6 o'clock. After that, we're having a DJ Primrose is going to do her show at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. You're not going to want to miss that. I don't believe. Again, if you'd like to listen to DJ Primrose, who's going to be live at 8 o'clock with her show, she'll be on there for two hours. If you'd like to hear that, you can get the TuneIn app and look up Midnight Radio on any of your any cell phone there is. Or you can go to our website, midnightrad.io. Thank you guys very much. Until next time, all my best.